0: Hi and welcome to The Strad Podcast. I'm Davina Shum, I'm a cellist and I'm the online editor at The Strad. Perhaps somewhat frustrated with the scarcity of double bass repertoire, Valentina Ciardelli is committed to finding and creating new repertoire for double bassists. There's more out there than your Botticini, your Kusevitsky, Van Hal, Diddersdorf concertos, or transcriptions of works for other instruments such as the Bach cello suites. How do I know so much about bass repertoire? I'm married to a bass player so I've heard a lot of it. Valentina is the founder of the How I Met Puccini project, transcribing arias for double bass and other stringed instruments. We spoke about showcasing and celebrating the double bass for what it is, idiomatic writing, and the ever-fascinating parallels between string playing and voices. Here's Valentina. Valentina, welcome to The Strad Podcast. So, visitors to thestrad.com would have seen your recent contributions talking about your project, How I Met Puccini, where you transcribe arias from Puccini's operas for double bass and other instruments. And listeners, if anyone hasn't read about this project, do make sure you go to the website to check that out. We're here to talk about finding new repertoire for double bass, because it's something that perhaps violinists, sometimes cellists, don't realize is that with double bass players, there's often scarcity of original repertoire for your instrument to play. So tell me a bit about your experience finding double bass repertoire, particularly, you know, when you were studying, because I imagine as a double bass player, you play your Kusovitsky, your Bottasini, your Dittersdorf, and Van Hals. <laughs> Nodding along, yeah. What was it like for you, you know, finding repertoire that you wanted to play?
1: So, first of all, thank you so much for this invitation. What you said about bass repertoire is so true, <laughs> because if we are searching in the history of the instrument, we, we don't have a growth of the instrument as the other one, no? because they have we have a discontinuity in the repertoire, because we didn't have so many virtuoso of the double bass as violin or cello player. Had. So we had like a Dragonetti and Bottezini and then nothing for uh, decades. <laughs> and then suddenly Kusewski or, you know, even the Viennese school was amazing. No, we have a lot of great bass players, but they were just spots in the instrument history. No, we mainly had a, a very big contribution in orchestra repertoire, of course. But then mm-hmm. Chamber something ish, like, yeah. Schubert, Trout, uh, Wojnar Quintet, uh, Vaughan Williams, but you know not as many as the other string instruments. So for us it's also a matter of searching some transcription from other instruments but sometimes it's a delicate process because transcription might be a bless but a a bad thing (laughs) because we, when we have a faithful transcription for an instrument to another, for example if we play the second cello in Mendelssohn octet, it, and you play second cello, you keep playing a second cello line. So it's not the bass line, no? So you're compared to, to a yeah. cello player
0: still. That's quite hard on the double bass, isn't that right? The opening of the fourth uh, one? Yeah, <laughs> actually it is. But,
1: <laughs> you know, it's possible, but it, it's, it's squeezing mm. a bit the nature of the instrument. So it's really a careful process. In my experience in all these years of playing double bass, it's more... I'm more keen in reorchestrating stuff and tailoring pieces on the bass instead of keep transcription from an instrument like as it is to the bass. And it's in, in mm. a matter, it's what Bottezini did, no, and or what the, the whole virtuoso people from other instruments, like Liszt, he transcribed the Beethoven symphonies for piano. no, And he, he just created proper virtuoso piece for piano. So this is, I think, the way we should valuing bass nowadays. Bass has improved so much in, in technique, in luthery as well. We, we can have the setup, the the action of the strings can be so low as a, as a cello. We can really play virtuoso stuff on the bass. But valuing the bass purpose, the bass color, no? It's like forcing, I don't know, sometimes I just feel with some transcriptions like asking a baritone to sing the Queen of the Night. You know what I mean? It, it's... He can do that, but it's just a bit odd.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and then people are going to be like, well, you can't quite reach those high notes, and they're always going to be comparing to the version that they know first. I think one example that springs to mind, and I think a very common thing that bass players do, I believe, is play transcriptions of the Bach cello suites. And certain suites lend themselves well to playing perhaps in a different key or playing at pitch. like I think, is it the first suite that's often done at pitch up in the the gods in G major? But it's always going to sound a little bit different, and it's certainly extremely challenging. What are your thoughts on, as you mentioned, highlighting the capabilities of the bass so that you're showcasing the bass as an instrument rather than it trying to do something that
1: was was not uh, not thought on the instrument. Yes. Yeah, there are, there are some peculiar, like the cello suite, uh, Bach cello suite. They were thought on the cello, no. Mm. And of course, if when you hear playing on the cello, they have this kind of big vibrant uh, feeling. No, you, you you don't see the cello player struggling a lot when they're playing it. Unless they're playing and the differently, sixth suite, but yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> actually yes. But but for bass, I I. I don't disagree to play it on bass because I also studied them and I played them. Mm -hmm. But I think, first of all, it's something, it's a personal choice. There are people that love Bach music and, of course, those suites are masterpieces, no? And I I think there are bass players that really feel the music and they can create a a way to playing it on the bass that it's wonderful and amazing, you know, they they find a way to, to make it switchable for the bass. For example, changing a bit the speed, changing a bit, of course, the pitch as well, mm. because they have to replicate the sen- the sensation, at least the physical sensation that cello players has of smoothness on the bass. But uh, on my personal vision, I think if I have to play Bach, I would choose something else. For example, the gamba sonatas, the one with the, the harpsichord, that they're kind of more bass friendly in a way because even the the register even the way they're written are more suitable for the the nature of the instrument and they can showcase the slow tempo and then the fast tempo and and we can really articulate the notes in a bass way Mm. The, the thing is like i also would like to say that every instrument has a its own virtuosity and bass can not be pretend to be virtuoso as a violin player or violin can pretend to be virtuoso as a bass player because there are two different ways of being virtuoso what does it mean our strings are very thick very big no and the response under the bow it's different it's a physical thing mm-hmm. and there are certain stuff that you can play but they won't be heard as bright as on a violin because it's the string it doesn't speak as fast as a violin yeah but it doesn't mean we have to be elephants just to (laughs) to make a quotation you know just we did have okay let's play everything super (laughs) slow everything super on the string no because as i said nowadays we can really play yeah whatever on the bass as i mentioned before, it's like with the voice, what is the purpose? What is the nature of a baritone voice? What is the nature of an alto voice? You know, what is it's the depth It's the beauty of the color. The more deeper you go in the register, the more you have this kind of color that it's so vibrant, so various, not compared to the higher pitch voices. Mm-hmm. No. And so this is something I think we should really value in. No. And also, especially the bass—it's so not homogenic in a way that every octave we have—it's a different world. No, you start from the very bottom, you start from the middle register, like high register, and then harmonic register. And we can speak about a word about natural harmonics and then artificial harmonics. No, we we have almost five octaves if we want to to explore mm. and so we can take advantage of this color this palette to create a repertoire and transcriptor that makes sense and they valuing also how we move between these octaves No, yeah. how we can explore even the the portion of strings with the bow what is like playing near sultasto which is playing near the bridge no and then of course i think there is a very substantial difference in playing the bass as a solo instrument, as a chamber instrument, and in orchestra. We can't project as we are doing in the solo world in orchestra, no? Can you imagine a section of eight basses projection? This is like Oh, I mean, <laughs> so with, with any instrument,
0: if you've got a section of people just playing like soloists, it's, it would be absolutely insufferable.
1: <laughs> but sometimes in our world, because we are so used to playing in, in orchestra that we, we, we don't – I can feel – Seeing people playing with closed piano, no, just because we are basses and we nobody can hear us. No, it's just the way we we are not used to project mm. as the other instrument. You know, there is this part near the bridge where you can feel the the sound is almost cracking. Yeah, you know, and this is the the limit of your projection, and this is where you have to go forward just to to give the nice solo projection, no, as yeah. the singer are doing or the violin player are doing, and this is a matter of trying and explore as much color as you can when you're playing the solo repertoire on this portion of string, no? It's not a matter of faking dynamics, but just searching the color of the dynamic. The piano in Kusevitsky Concerto won't be a a real piano. It's just the illusion of the piano. More of a
0: solo piano, because I guess dynamics are relative, aren't they? So you have to adjust based on where you're playing.
1: Returning back to exploring new repertoire, I think as solo and chamber musician... If we explore this section with the bass, we should be aware about this important fact that it's not realistic to play near the fingerboard when you do solo and chamber, Mm. because nobody will hear you. A violin with eight your sound if you don't project as the violin is doing, you know? Like, for example, Grand Duo Bottesini. You just have to project as loud as, it's not a question of loudness, but as as far as the violin is doing, you know? Yeah. And this is very important to us. It's an awareness that we have just to embrace,
0: I think. Yeah. You know, you mentioned baritones earlier, so it got me thinking about voices and singing and you know, how do you achieve that feeling of a singer singing an aria in your Puccini transcriptions? You know, you mentioned a little bit about the technicalities of projecting, but also in the orchestration, in the in the arranging as well. How do you create That feeling of a singer, but also illustrating and showcasing the capabilities of the double bass, you know, without sacrificing anything.
1: This is very difficult and it requires a lot of thinking. I'm a composer too, so this thing was quite automatic for me, you know, when you have a score in front of you, you start to analyze everything. When you start your orchestrating lesson, it's like, how can I translate something from big ensemble or an ensemble from another ensemble without losing the concept of the music and the color of the music and the purpose. And in this case, transcribing from voice, I think for a string instrument, it's quite easy because I think we are the closest instrument possible even closest to the woodwinds
0: yeah. no that's what everyone says like every string player will always say oh i love my instrument because it's closest to the human voice it's so true yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: we have like strings you know so and uh, the the muscle memory we have we don't have frets so it's the same thing when you, th- you sing no, you know and you think about intervals mm. you you feel the intervals in your throat no it's like you remember muscularly so this is the same with the string instrument and i think the first Thing you have to think when you translate the sound of a voice on a string instrument it's not neither the pitch the, the problem the octave no because i can sing the soprano melody but i won't be on the real octave of soprano but i can copy the feeling of soprano because it, it would be maybe lighter if it's a, like a bel canto soprano or for like more dark and deep if i'm i don't know singing a turandot aria no mm. with the bass so it depends which kind of soprano are you copying but I think the most important thing is to respect the breath and the the phrases they're singing the words in uh, whatever you're copying a voice you're transcribing in the voice even if it's in German in Russian in Italian you just have to copy the melody the, the sound of the language mm. because if you think even about composer puccini music it reflects a lot Italian sound ba 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 like this you know I, I know uh this is very annoying for me as an Italian another Italian we
0: hear the foreigners but it's true sure yeah yeah that's the stereotype <laughs> yeah
1: yeah but it's true actually Germans are more squared no mm-hmm. I, I'm half German I speak German so my mom I can feel in the in the language it's quite hard no in in a way from a foreigner it's it's not hard for German speaker probably yeah. but for other people it's quite uh and in English uh, there's a
0: whole different thing isn't it I mean like yeah. English operas like Think about Britain or something. It's it's completely different sound. you
1: know it's Or pop music, you know, there's Beatles or Mm. Pink Floyd lyrics, you know, and you hear the music, it really reflects the language, I think. And in this case, it's important to also understand where the consonant and where the vowel sound are. With this kind of information, the vowels and the consonant, you can keep this information and translate in both strokes. That's the most important thing. And every consonant note, if it's like a, a more sweetened, like B or T, there are two different kind of bowings. For example, a T for me, it's like maybe a spiccato yeah. or just like a more off string staccato. A B, it's a maybe like a staccato piccato in the bow. Mm. And actually, the most interesting part is if you speak with singers and you go and ask for technical advices, like, what do you think if I'm doing this on the bow? I have a lot of professional opera singers. I always go there and ask. Uh, Do you think this is like faithful enough to what you're singing? you discover that most of the bow stroke we have in the string, at least in the Italian school, the name Piccettato, they are the same in the singing school.
0: (laughs) It's a common thing to say that the bow is the breath. This is what I find really fascinating are the analogies and the parallels between singers and what we do as string players because... You know, you think about the string, it's like the vocal cords, isn't it? And you think about if you're struggling with a shift as a string player, you've got to think about how would a singer approach that note. I remember when I was studying and, you know, you've got one note at the bottom and one note at the top. If you think about a singer, they're not just going to (laughs) go, you know, like that. There's got to be that trajectory, there's got to be that motion, that traveling in between the notes and that translates really well to string players so i think it's really useful for people to be thinking in the same way as a singer
1: absolutely and that's why i think all this transcription i've made from puccini i've done the whole fantasies for bass and other instrument but i've keep receiving commission now, for example now i'm writing like a string quintet on turandot and then a string quartet actually without bass because i think it's so important to be attached to the voice repertoire because we we grow so much more in intensity and responsibility in a way how we phrasing mm. because as instrumental player sometimes we forget to breathe yes when when we play we don't need to breathe and actually this is a, such a mistake i think as
0: string players for sure, yeah. you know, well, often string players are focusing so much on the technicalities and yeah, you're right, people forget to breathe but you think that like, breathing helps you physically to play your instrument but also understanding musically your intentions. Adding to what you were saying before, it's really important to understand the message behind your music as well, particularly if you were playing an aria, understanding not only the language but also the words and understanding what is being said in this aria and that's going to influence a lot of how you play this
1: yeah and actually if you're a musician you're an actor even if you're an instrumental player you, you can't go on stage and just like okay this is my sonata you just have to tell people's story we are storytellers mm. it, it sounds a bit cheesy but it's how it is really yeah. when we are on stage it's not about us it's, it's about sharing something And once you get there, once you start to acting on stage, you can't stop because it's so fun and it's so full of meaning, you know, and even your technique, it's it's getting better. It's getting deeper because, you know, and you understand that the technique is just a tool to achieve what you want to achieve on the instrument, to master the instrument and to get deeper, uh, even in deeper connection with the people you're playing on stage and. the the audience you know
0: it's really fascinating talking to you about this because we've spoken a lot about the parallels between the voice and stringed instruments as highlighted in your how i met puccini project um but also just the adaptability and flexibility and also tailoring these transcriptions and new pieces of repertoire to the double bass so thank you so much for sharing your perspective as a double bass player you know a, a bass player of the future thank you That was Valentina Ciardelli. Do check out her blogs on thestrad.com if you haven't already, or if you're after some new bass repertoire to try. And don't forget to check out thestrad.com where you'll find the latest news, articles and reviews on all things to do with string playing. If you like what you see and hear, register and subscribe to access exclusive archival content from 2010 onward. We've got 50% off an online subscription for students. And if you're not sure you're ready to subscribe, take out a free trial for seven days and start reading right away with no strings attached. And if you happen to be on Apple Podcasts right now, give us a little review or rating. It will help other people discover this podcast. Thanks for listening and tune in again soon for another episode. Take good care. Bye.